How is everybody doing today? How gnarly is Danny? He, he partially amputated his finger. And he didn't miss a beat at all. He's here like the very next... I didn't patch my pants, by the way. I'm sorry. He's here the very next Sunday leading worship. I mean, you are much man, Danny. You can't keep a guy like that back. Worship's not in his hand, it's in his heart. Um, let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have together. Uh, I ask, Lord, that you would bless it, that you would speak something worthwhile through it. Um, Lord, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'll be surprised by anything that comes out of this point. <laughs> so, Lord, I just uh, put this in your hands, and I, I trust you for it. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Okay, let's see what happens here. Um, <laughs> uh, we, had, we had some company up at our house last night uh, for Corinne's birthday, and it was like, it was Gil and Mary, and we're all kind of sitting around talking, and they're like, so, are you ready for tomorrow? And I'm like, I got nothing. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> just all week thinking about things, and I just, I got absolutely nothing. Um, so, they all left at 9.30, and then... And then it was just me and the computer, and it was a rough week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but all week, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this message, and I'm praying about this message, and, uh, and, and, and well, maybe I should begin here. Something, something dawned on me not long ago. Um, it was actually this summer. I was doing a message for the youth, and, uh, and I was talking about Christianity, and I said, you know what, I've been a Christian for almost 10 years. And then I stopped, and I thought, and I was like, that's a lie. Nobody likes to lie during sermons, right? That's a bad idea. Don't do that. And, uh, and I was like, well, I should, I should think that. And I did. And so I thought it through. And it's been now 12 years, uh, 12 years that I've been a Christian. Uh, and and I'm, almost, um, I'm almost a, a teenager in my second birth. You know, I'm almost 13. I'm a tween now. You know, I'm that <laughs> awkward age between, you know, childhood and adolescence. And... Uh, and I think that we all come to this point in, in our Christianity where, where we kind of stop and take stock of who we are in the Lord. And it's like, okay, well, well, well this, is, this is who I am. This is who I am in the Lord. I, I, I know the Bible you know, fairly well. I, I pray fairly regularly. I go to church every Sunday. And then and, and that's me. And that's just, that's, that's just dandy. You know, and, and maybe you feel the same way. And, and, and that was this week. And I was like, that's just dandy. You know, and then God, uh, he, he chose this week to show me just how not dandy things are. And just constant conviction uh, was just raining down upon me. Never a good thing when you're, you know, trying to prepare a message for somebody else. Because everything's just about you and how, how terrible you are. And how much, how much work you still need to do and how far you still need to, uh, you need to, to go. And, 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 and he made emphatically clear to me that anything that I decided to teach on today uh, would be to one degree or another hypocrisy from me. Um, so so it was, uh, all that to say, very, very rough, very rough week. I, I had a splendid little message 
put together for you individuals today um, on faith. And, and I was nearly completed, and then God uh, you know, seemed to impress upon my heart and say, you know, it's just, it, is, it is so easy to write about faith, isn't it? Isn't that just, it's so easy to talk about faith. Right, and, and and this was even on a passage, and 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 it was originally a passage that I had taught about once to a group of old folks, and it was Hebrews eleven twenty one, uh, and, and it was the ministry, and this isn't anywhere in my message. Maybe I should just get back on track, but but I'm going to give you the full, uh, long, scenic route back to my point. But uh, and and it was about you know what we, and, and and it came uh, essentially from uh, Gil. Uh, Gil was talking about how, and, and Gil's like, why are you talking about me? Because you're delightful, and we have great conversations. Um, and I was talking to Gil, and Gil was talking about how, how Sam always wants the young guys up on the stage, but he doesn't have a group of young guys to do like the music and stuff like that, so he's stuck with the old guys. right? And he was like, and that's what the church is. The, the, the church is a group of old guys. And I was like, well, let's talk about what we're supposed to do as old guys. And, and Hebrews 11.21 uh, am I saying the right verse? I hope I am. That would be embarrassing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's the right verse. Uh, the, the, fantastic verse for, for old people. Fantastic verse. I taught on it before. When I taught the youth, Hebrews chapter 11, I skipped that verse. Because I was like, this verse isn't for them. This is for us. So I thought, you know, maybe one day when I'm in here, I'll talk about that for us. I'll talk about what the ministry of faith is like for us in the latter years of our Christianity. And after all, that's the direction that I'm going in anyways, now that I'm a tween in the Lord. You know, I'm already getting gray hairs on my mustache and thinning hairs on top of my head. You know, so that's what Corinne tells me when she cuts my hair. I think that's a little bit embarrassing, but um, I try to comb it over. I'm like Donald Trump up here. Um, but I, so I had that, uh, you know, and I was working on that, and, and, and God said, you shouldn't teach on that because you don't know anything about that. And he was like, you know, it just, if, if faith, uh, what would your life really look like if you actually surrendered your life to walk according to faith? And, and can you say that you've done that? And it was too convicting to think about. So, so I, I tried not to anymore. And I decided, well, I'll, I'll fast Friday and I'll pray. And, and I'll get square with God, and then boom, he'll hit me with the message, and it'll be a happy time for all of us. Uh, but he didn't. And, and, and over and again, it was this idea of how I've settled for this level of Christianity that is so far uh, short of what I, I see biblically and what I should be living out uh, practically. And how the, these obstacles to faith in my life are coming between uh, me and God, and they're coming between uh, even me and my relationship with my wife. And, um, and it was just, it, there was no message, and there was heavy conviction. Um, so, so here's the thing. <laughs> and here's what I was talking to Daniel Jacobs about. Um, uh, I don't really have <laughs> a message for all you people today. Um. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a lot of stuff that, that God spoke to me about and was like, hey, you're really messed up. And um, 
So, so I, I have six sermon notebooks. Uh, and I was like, I could just recycle a message. I could just get up there and be completely inauthentic and play church. You know, just get up there and be like, boom, this is a good message. This went over well the first time I taught it. And, 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 and I, I, I hate that. I hate that. I don't want to be artificial. And I don't want to get up here and do something fluffy because that's, that's not what God did in my heart this week. I don't want to get up here and be like, hey, let's talk about, you know, hugs today. <laughs> and then we could practice after. We'll have a hug practicum. You know, it's like we'll do workshops. I don't want, I don't think we need that. I don't, you know, who cares about that? Um, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to share with you uh, the, the, the reign of conviction that God brought down upon me. And you can do with it what you will. Um, and if you want to just, you know, sit there and be like, okay, well, that's all for you and you're really messed up and you really fall short of what God has for your life, then that's cool with me, right? Because this is what God spoke to me. But if you feel like this is something that we can all be a part of, then, uh, then you can join with me. We're going to talk uh, about faith today and, and essentially, uh, our, our, our shortcomings in faith. And it's going to be out of Hebrews 11, Verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6. Uh, let's, let's begin. This will be fun. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. Uh, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and uh, he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch, to me, is one of the most fascinating people in all of the Bible. He, he's mysterious and complex. Genesis 5.24 really kind of begins and ends his story, and it only says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Doesn't that just leave you with more questions than it does answers? I mean, there's just such a bizarre passage. You know, he walked with God and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. And then it says, and he was not. And you're like, well, now you lost me. And that's all the author says. And then he just moves on to the next guy, you know? So we don't really understand a lot about Enoch until Hebrews chapter 11. And we pick it up here in verse five and six. And, and we find out that Enoch is just someone that never died. He walked with God, and the way that he walked with God, God loved it so much that he was like, yeah, just get up here. You know, I just, you know, it's like, the way you're walking with me is so great, I just got to take you. And he just snatched him up to heaven, and, and therefore you have Enoch was not. It's completely unique in scripture, and, and, and for me, it creates just one of the most beautiful uh, pictures of what it looks like to 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 live a life of faith, and to walk by faith uh, along this, this journey set before us. And this is what God really wants from us. He wants this kind of faith in our life. And I would like to begin our time together with, a, with kind of a bad illustration. Um, <laughs> but after all, I don't really have a message, so a bad illustration seems to go along with it. <laughs> 
to frame our conversation about faith. Um, and, and, and it is a bad illustration, but it's one of my favorite ones, and it's one of my favorite childhood memories. And Corey's actually already heard it. So Corey, step outside for a couple of minutes and come back when I'm done. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, go. Um, when I was a kid, uh, my brother and I, we were really into comic books. And we were just we were big comic book nerds. And, uh, and, 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 and he discovered the secret of superheroes one day. And he came up to me and he was like, I figured it out. I cracked the code. Every comic book character that can fly has a cape. And using his finely honed deductive reasoning skills, he concluded that if we simply had a cape, we could fly. You know? And, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, so he went to the bathroom and he grabbed a towel and he put it around my neck. <laughs> Looking back, that's, a, that's an interesting part of the story. If he was so confident, why was it my neck? And he said, Michael, today you are going to fly. And I believed him. I completely believed him. Now, now, before you judge me, or maybe I should say that I had a severe learning disability as a child. <laughs> That'll give me some credit here. But, but I was six or seven. My, my brother, he was probably eight or nine. Either way, probably one of us should have known better. And since the cape, or the towel, I should say, was around my neck, it probably should have been me. But I wanted to believe him. Right? I wanted him to be right. What if it was just that simple? That no man had ever flown because no man had ever thought to wrap a towel around their neck. <laughs> right? I mean, couldn't that just be the, the greatest thing ever to happen to humanity? And, and, and so we went out to my neighbor's property. And my, and my neighbor's property, he has this slope and there's a wall that's built on it. So at the other side of the wall is a small cliff. And so you can see where the story's going. And, uh, and, and so we started on the shortest part of the wall. You know, and, and so I stood on the wall, and, and he said, are you ready? And I said, I'm ready. And he said, fly! And I jumped. And I fell. And it was about five feet that I fell. Um, and, and I fell straight down. It was just a miserable failure. There was no flight at all that happened in that adventure. Um, and, but my brother came bounding around the corner and he was like, <clears throat> I figured it out, okay? I got all the kinks worked out this time. I know how to solve this problem, okay? So well, not many superheroes just stand in one spot and jump off something to fly, right? They usually take a couple of steps and then they fly. So he said, if you, just, if you stand back from the wall and then take a couple of steps and run and jump off the wall, then you'll fly. So that's what we did. And we went up to the second level of the wall. And, and I stood a few feet back. I took a couple of steps, and then I jumped off the wall. And, and I went a little bit further that time. But then I fell. And that time, it was about seven or eight feet that I fell. <clears throat> and by that time, I was pretty bused, or, or, or bruised and beaten up. I, 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 I wasn't feeling too great about this whole towel idea and the flight of man. And, and, but my brother came around the corner and, and maybe a little bit more hesitant this time. <clears throat> he said, 
Okay. Okay. I, 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 I know what the problem is. All right. When Superman flies, right, he doesn't just take a couple of steps and then jump vertically. I mean, right, you've never seen a superhero do that. He doesn't just go and then, you know, that's, that's absurd. You know, so he said when Superman flies, he launches himself forward, right? So you've got you to gotta run, jump, and launch yourself head first. And that's how you'll fly. He said, when we, and then that's this, this time it'll work. And so we went up to the highest level of the wall. And he said, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. And he said, fly. And I ran my, little, my wee little heart out. And I dove off that highest part of the wall. And I actually pushed out my fist, very much so Superman-like, arced my back, and went head first over. And for a moment... It felt like I was flying. And, and then I fell. And this time, 10 feet. And this time, actually, onto a wood pile. It was down there. And, and, I, and I hit the ground. And, and, and by, by that time, I just I couldn't get up. So my brother helped me up. But, but, the, but the look in his eyes was actually more painful than my own bruised and abused body at that point. As he, as he said to me, I guess you can take the towel off. We'll never fly. And I guess it's time for us to just admit that you're a regular guy. And, and, and if you can pinpoint a moment, I could say that in my early life, uh, that's the moment that I began believing less in that which is beyond the scope of this reality. Um, but that's wrong biblically. You know, faith is only as strong as what you put it in. And children, they'll put their faith in anything. I was willing to put my faith in a towel. You know, and, and, and I thought that with this thing I can fly, and I was willing to plummet 10 feet off a tiny cliff because I was so earnest in my faith. And adults, we think that's stupid, right? That, that we should know better, and that's true. Towels don't make people superheroes. The problem is, is that as we get older in the Lord, as we approach the teen years of our Christianity and the tween years of our Christianity and the decade-long experience of our walk with God, we lose not only the faith to believe in towels that can make us fly, but we lose the ability to put real faith in anything. One of my favorite stories from the man that, that led me to the Lord, many of you know him, his name is uh, Eric Flores. When he was a kid... Uh, he and his family, and I, I sent him a text message and asked him if I can use this illustration. The problem is I didn't completely fact-check it. So I'm going to fill in some of the gaps that I know from the story. Um, but it, when, it, when he and his family were, were leaving, <clears throat> they were leaving church one Sunday, or heading home, he really wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? And, and he told his parents, and he's like, I, I really want this sandwich. And, and they said, well, Eric, you can't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because we don't have any bread at home. And he, uh, you know, little Eric Flores, the, the wee man of faith that he was, even at that age, said, I will pray to the Lord and he will provide the bread. 
And he probably didn't say that line because no child is that articulate, let's be honest. (laughs) But that's where I'm filling in the gaps. He said something along those lines. (laughs) But, But then in the car out loud, he began to pray that God would bring bread. You know, and, 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 and his parents in the front seat remained silent. But all the while, they, they began to think of a way to explain to him why God didn't answer his prayer when they got home. And you could maybe easily put yourself in the same situation. And here's a little boy, a child in the Lord with pure faith, and he just believes that it's as simple as that. He can pray, God, I want bread for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he wholeheartedly believed that God would provide the bread. His parents, not wanting to crush his faith, wanting to nurture his faith, remained silent, but began to think of a way to explain away his faith. And upon arriving home, they exited the car and they found upon their doorstep a grocery bag filled with bread. And a note was in the bag that said, I bought too much and thought you could use some. My favorite part of the story is next. His parents nearly burst into tears. They were shocked and overwhelmed by the miracle. They had no bread Eric prayed and asked for bread and bread alone. And here it is waiting for them, a gift from the Lord. And it's undeniable, right? It's incomprehensible. And they were awestruck by this miracle. And Eric, and this is the best part, Eric simply said, good, now I can have my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, there was no, there was no awe there. There, there, there. I mean, not even in the slightest. He wasn't surprised because Eric, in his childlike faith, knew that if God is who he says he is, right, then this is no small thing for him. He has all the bread in the universe at his disposal. Why should it be a big deal that God dropped off a loaf of bread on his doorstep? It's not a big deal. To his parents, it was a big deal. Eric just simply thought, well, after all, I prayed for it, right? And, and after all, I prayed to a God who hears, didn't I? You know, and his parents, for a moment, had forgotten that, and we do too, as we get older. You know, we forget what Enoch knew in verse 6 where he introduces to us this first key of faith. The first key of faith in verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that he is. If we want to have any kind of faith that's pleasing to God, we need to believe that God is. That's the start of it all. God is is. And who is he? Who is this God that we're talking about? He is almighty. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. 
he's our savior. He's our father. He is our friend. He is sufficient and able. He's capable. He is sovereign and in control. He is working all things together for the good, for those that know the Lord. He is worthy of our faith. Do we believe that? Because so, so often we, and when I say we, you can just, you can replace it with me. Because after all, this is for me. Um, because so often we are not jumping off walls, believing that God will carry us into unknown and uncharted realms of the faith. We're not praying in any way that wouldn't be genuinely surprised if we saw bread on our doorstep. And when I prayed and fasted on Friday, it became so clear to me <laughs> the hypocrisy of this sermon for me. Um, I am my father's son, and by that I mean my earthly father. I am, I am a born prag... Uh, I, I'm very pragmatic by nature. I'm sensible and I'm realistic. And, and I know exactly how much money we take in every month uh, according to our joint incomes, and I know exactly how much money we uh, need to pay out every month for our bills. And 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 this is this is awkward. I know, I've never been so honest in a message. I know what we can afford, and I know what we can't afford. So three months ago, when our dryer broke, <laughs> I was like, "Hey, the dryer's not in the budget." Let's be, let's be responsible here. Let's be pragmatic here, right? Let's be sensible and realistic, okay? People have been drying their clothes for that dryer for thousands of years. We've got a clothesline out there. Let's make this thing happen. So, so that's what we've been doing. That's what we've been doing. And, and already you're starting to pity my wife. Trust me, it gets worse. Um, you know, it's, it, and, and actually not having a dryer isn't such a big deal. I mean, a clothesline... It isn't the end of the world, right? And we've been out there week in and week out for three months hanging up our clothes. For the most part, it's actually a pretty therapeutic experience. The pants are terrible. I don't know if you've ever worn jeans that are dried on a clothesline. It is the worst thing ever. I mean, it is, it is like wearing cardboard. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I knew that, you know, we just we couldn't work it into our expenses right now, so let's be realistic Let's be sensible. I'm very pragmatic. And that's exactly what I told uh, Boo on Valentine's Day when I told her that she wasn't going to get anything. And, 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 and some of you men gulped. Some of you women quietly gasped. And I'm sure you all thought, and you're still alive. That is a saint of a woman. And you're right. Um... And in, and in hindsight, I'm as surprised as you are <laughs> that, that I'm still here. 
Um, but I made sense of it, right? I made complete sense of it. I, I said, listen, boo, we got to be responsible. We can't afford to frivolously spend money. <laughs> That's a great way to, uh, to tell your wife that they're not going to get a gift. You just lump it in with frivolous expenses. And, uh, and for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why she was grumpy for the next couple of days. You know, it's like she's going around the house and she's upset. And I'm like, oh, it must be a work thing, you know. <laughs> Let's watch TV. And, uh, and, then I, and then I fasted on Friday, you know, praying about this message, what it looks like to be a man of faith. Because I'm sure I know something about that. <laughs> and, and God raps on my heart and he says, hey, you know how uh, that whole responsibility thing, that whole pragmatic thing, that you've always prided yourself on, uh, that has become the biggest obstacle to faith in your life. And he said, it's putting distance between you and me. And this is why, because you don't actually trust me. You don't actually believe that I will take care of you. You don't think that I'll provide for you. You think that you always have to provide for yourself. And you know what else? It's not only causing distance between you and me. It's causing distance between you and your wife. Because you're not loving her like Christ loved the church. You remember that cute little verse in Ephesians 5.25? You said it during your vows on your wedding day. Said, I vow to love you like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You vowed to love her with a sacrificial kind of love. You're so responsible, you're so sensible, you're not willing to sacrifice anything for her because you don't believe that I will take care of you and meet your needs as you do. And didn't I tell you that I would always do that for you? I mean, isn't that what, what Matthew 6.25 is all about? Matthew 6.25, he says, you don't need to be anxious about these things. You don't need to worry about these things. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to look out for you because you're my child. He says, you're adopted into my family. What kind of a father would I be if I didn't look after my own child? You don't believe that I will. He says, you know nothing about walking by faith, and it's affecting the person that is most precious to you in this world. And that's a heavy thing for God to lay on your heart. And so I went and I bought her flowers. <laughs> I, I went in and I was like, I need 12, 12 roses. They need to be beautiful and they need to have ridiculously long stems. Because for some reason that matters to women. I don't know. I don't know why women are all crazy about those stems. But they like their long stems. And, and I came home and I repented to her. And, and I, I walked uh, through the door and I, I, and I had the roses in my hand. And I said, I am so sorry. I know nothing about walking by faith. And I should cherish you. And always be willing to sacrifice for you. 
believing that God's going to take care of us. I'm so sorry for hurting you. I'm sure the whole thing about faith just completely confused her. <laughs> but she was already in tears, and uh, she'd been praying, actually, that, that God would deal with my heart about the whole thing, and, and it seems that he did. It's amazing how we can think that we got it all figured out. And that we're just chugging along in our Christianity and we can be completely oblivious, thinking that everything's good and that, and that everything's cool. And in a moment, God can show us just how blind and foolish we really are. What does it look like to walk by faith? I'm not sure I know, to be completely honest with you. Um, I'm not an example of it. (laughs) It's really easy for me to get lost in the demands of this world, in the patterns of it all, in the rhythm of it. I, I, I used to think that a life of faith was like a movie, that it was really dramatic and crazy, and that this is what it looks like to walk by faith. It was like, it's like Braveheart. You know, you get out there and you conquer kingdoms for the Lord. And it's, it's big, you know, and, 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 and I would preach on faith. And it was filled with these big lofty things. And, and you hear these stories in church all the time. Preachers love to share them because preachers are inspired by them and they want to emulate them. Right? So, so you, you hear the stories, you know, of David Livingstone, right? And he's going to Africa to, you know, take on the people who've never heard of the Lord and he's going to spread the gospel there like no one else, no one before him, afraid to go into the interior. You hear the stories of John Harper, you know, and John Harper, the man who, who, who preached the gospel on the Titanic as it was sinking. And what a man of faith, incredible, the testimony and witness he was for the Lord, you know, to, 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 to give his last breaths to preaching the gospel, uh, to save these souls from the, the, the hell awaiting them as they froze in the water beneath them. You hear the stories of the Moravians and how they sold themselves into slavery, you know, to go to these islands uh, where men were taken in bondage to live and die and never hear of Jesus. And I could tell those stories for days, and I love those stories. And this message originally ended with one of those stories. But is that what it looks like to walk by faith? You know, no, I, I, I would think, you know, initially you could say not for most of us, but that's not even true. It doesn't look like that for any of us be, because, be, because it, even those stories don't capture a life of faith. They don't capture a walk of faith. They simply capture a moment of faith. And no one's defined by a single moment. We're not called to a moment. We're called to a walk. Faith begins with a moment. Faith begins with that moment that we jump off the wall and entrust ourselves into his, in, in, into his faithful hands. But it's built up or torn down every day after that moment. It's not built up or torn down in dramatic fashion, but in our daily rhythm. It's built up or torn down by if we wake up and 
turn to God and talk to God. If we're going throughout our day just walking with God and thinking about him like a kid would think about God as their dad. That he's going to take care of you. And you don't question it. You never see kids stressing out about life. They just know that mom and dad are going to take care of stuff. And they just show up and enjoy the ride. And and I wonder if that's the kind of faith that I'm living. The faith that is so sure that God is going to drop off the bread. The faith that is so sure that God is going to lift me up when I dive off the wall. You know, we ask ourselves, how did these people that we hear these stories about come to these big moments of faith? And I think that the answers may be just as simple as they followed a big God before that moment in their walk of faith. That they were in step with God and through their daily rhythm and pattern, they were walking with God. And it was a big God. And God brought them to a place where there could be a big moment. But it has nothing to do with them being a big man or a big woman. It's the complete opposite of that. They're a simple man. They're a simple woman that wrapped God around their neck and just said, he can take care of it. He can do it. He's something that is worth putting my faith in. He is. And the second part of that in verse 6, where it says that if you want to live this life of faith that's pleasing to God, you need to believe that he is, and you need to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, you know, as a kid, I would, um, <clears throat> I would get off the bus every day at my grandma's house. And I'd drop off my stuff in her house, and uh, then we'd go for a walk. It was every day. And it was the two of us and her two dogs, Maggie and Shep. And uh, we would wander up, you know, the mountains out there, and, and we'd go all over, and it was, every day was like, a, it was like a new adventure. We'd talk about things, and we got to know each other. And it was because of those childhood walks that I went on with my grandma that she became... Uh, closer to me than anyone else in all my family. God rewards us on our walk. You know, I think faith begins with a moment where we know who God is. And then through this walk of faith that, that, that Enoch uh, embarked upon, God takes you out of that initial moment where you know who he is, and then every day, you wake up for God to show you who he is. That's the reward of this walk. Through our daily experience, he proves who he is. That he is not just the creator. He's our creator. That he's not just the savior. He is our savior. 
He's not just the father. He's my father. And he's not just a friend of sinners. He's a friend of this sinner every day. And he says, I want to go on this walk with you. I want to share these moments with you because through these moments, I want to prove those things to you. So that it's not just a verse that you read in a book. It's a life that you live to prove the truth of my word. You know, we... I remember these long walks with my grandma. <laughs> and, and it was through those walks that she stopped being my dad's mother. And she became my grandma. She became my friend. And she became the favorite part of my day. I looked forward to that every day to get to a spot where I could get to her house, drop off all my baggage, and just set out with her, go on a walk with her, and talk with her. And she would challenge me. She would teach me. She would guide me. She'd give me insights on life that only come from age and experience. She would build me up and encourage me. And she was the reward to me. That's what God has for us in this walk that he talks about. He says, this is, what, this is what faith is all about. It's taking it out of the book. It's taking it on the street. I want to go on a walk with you. I want to show you who I am. I want to be your reward because I am so much more than what you read on a page. And you can trust me. And when you get to know me, you'll see the heart of me. And it's a heart that beats with adoration and mercy. You know, walking with her, it was so easy to just follow her wherever she wanted to go. And she would say, hey, let's go this way today. And I could just go that way with her. I think when, you, when we think about walking with faith, we, we complicate it so much. And we ask questions like, what is the will of God for me? This is it. You just go on a walk with God. And when you're in step with him, when you're keeping pace with him, when you're daily next to him, he can just say, hey, let's go this way. And you can just follow him. And God says, this is the only way that you can live a life pleasing to me. Because without this faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and, and I'll end soon, because I know time is getting close. But what we do, and, and when I say we, of course, you can, you can just make it me. I think that it's easy to get to a place where somewhere along that walk, we can find a shady tree and just decide to sit down for a while. We can say, this is a really nice spot for a picnic. <laughs> You know, maybe I'll just stay here. I like it here. And, and I'm still technically on a walk, aren't I? I'm just not moving forward. I'm, I'm not necessarily going back. 
But God never called us to a picnic. He called us to a walk. He called us to progress. This was a week of taking stock. And I found myself sitting in the shade. I don't know how long I've been sitting in the shade. But it's a scary thing to think about. And maybe it's something that we all need to think about. Is where am I on that walk with God? Am I still moving forward? Am I out of step with him? Have I picked up that bag and baggage and decided to, to go on my own way apart from him? Yeah, something that he spoke very specifically to me. To leave behind my pragmatic nature, my anxiety, to simply bound off the bus, drop off my bags, and in childlike faith, go for a walk. To see where he's going and where he'll take me, to see what he'll do in and through me. And this is the way our life of faith begins. And Enoch is a perfect picture of that. But he's also a perfect picture of the way that it ends. Because Enoch's was a walk of faith that began in this life and wandered into eternity. And this is the invitation that, that my father has for me. And I believe that he has it for you too. To simply go on a walk that has no end. And on this walk, he'll show you exactly who he is. He'll show you that he's not only your God, he's not only your Savior, but he's your friend. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word is so personal for us. Lord, I think about those times that I had with my grandma and how special it made her to me. And then I think about my walk with you. And I wonder if it's the same way. if I've fallen out of the daily rhythm with you, if I've abandoned this pattern with you. And Lord, if I just need to repent to you, if I haven't dropped off all my baggage, and if I'm not just trusting you, I pray that all of us would just get beyond the moments, whether they be low points or high points, that we get up from that spot that we've been sitting under and that we would get back on the path with you where we can so easily follow you and talk to you, where it's so easy to stay in step with you 
where there is no question of where we should go and what we should do because the answer will always be the same. Just go on a walk. I pray, Lord, that that's exactly what we would all do. And Lord, that it would begin in this life and it would carry on to the next as we walk upon streets with gold with you, just as we have walked upon these streets with you. And Father, I do praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Is that it? Yeah. Back up. <clears throat>